0: Welcome to the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. It is our desire that you will be greatly encouraged as Pastor Dale Walker and others bring a fresh word from God directly to your heart. Be blessed. Amen. Well, I'm excited to share the word with you. We began a series a few weeks called It's Not Fair. And it's better than fair, God's amazing grace. We're talking about How to Experience the Undeserved Grace of God, and if you'd like to see there in your sermon notes. And what what we said is that many people, they don't understand grace, and and they go in one of two ways. Either they have sort of an entitlement mentality that says, well, I'm good because I'm religious. I do these good things. And we saw last week, like with the elder brother, they tend to judge people. And then you have people on the other side that they have an I'm not worthy mentality. They said, you know, I just never be good enough to be a Christian. They, they live in what I call the uh, place of parole kind of or, you know, penance or performance. One person said, I feel like I live in the penalty box. I'm not really able to ever feel like God's for me because I've got so many issues and, and, and they never fully enter in. And what we shared today is our life totally changed when we discover undeserved grace, that we can relate to God, not based on what we have done, but what Jesus did. That that we have been given the, the right to stand before God, not because we have performed, but because he lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died. We are forgiven. Someone described it as Jesus was our designated hitter. You know, say, say, in order to go to heaven, you had to bat a thousand. Well, nobody bats a thousand except Jesus. (laughs) And he stood in your place and he says, you get to be counted. That means you can ask God when you ask God. It's like Jesus asked. It's like, here's your, here's my credit card. Ask me for anything because it's based on my goodness and righteousness, not how good you are. And I, I thought of this idea when, when I thought of grace, is that someday we're going to go to heaven, and when we go to heaven, we're going to meet some awesome people up there. How many are excited to meet Noah, Moses, or whatever, you know? And, and we're going to come up and we're going to say, hey, how are you doing? And they'll say, good, I'm, I'm Nehemiah. I built this amazing wall. We're going to say, wow. And, and then we're going to meet someone like the Apostle Paul. I evangelized most of the world. Wow, you're amazing. And then we're going to meet this guy. And we're going to say, wow, who are you? Well, my name is Thief. "Uh, Well, what great thing did you do? I mean, here you are. And he said, nothing. I stole. Well, yeah, but you had to do something. Yeah, I cursed God a few times. Well, what you doing here? He said, at the last minute, did you know I'm the first one to go to heaven since Jesus died? And I just said, have mercy. I just said, remember me, Lord. And that was enough, and here I am forever. And we're gonna say, wow, that's not fair. No, that's grace. And God wants us to to begin to live, because when we live in grace, we live in favor. One of the words, we'll, we'll talk more about it, is grace means to be justified. Can you say justified? You know what that means? Just as if you had never sinned. God completely has put your sins away. As far as the East is from the West, I, I saw this cute story about a Rolls Royce. They're famous for being like perfect cars. And a man who was coming from England to America wanted to bring his Rolls Royce. And so he had them ship it over here. When he got his car, but it had troubles. And he, and he called them and they flew a mechanic over from England <laughs> and they fixed the car. And he drove it around and, and went home and he, he was wondering for nearly a year because he never heard from Rolls Royce and he wrote a company this letter. He said, this date last year I called and there was something wrong with my Rolls Royce and you flew a mechanic over and you fixed it, but I never received a bill. If you'll find that bill in your office, I'll be happy to pay the bill for fixing my car. He received a letter back from Rolls-Royce that says, there is no record that any Rolls-Royce has ever broken down or ever needed to be fixed. Thank you for your letter, but it is unnecessary. <laughs> you know, someone's gonna, someday you're gonna say, God, you remember that terrible thing I did and you remember how messed up I was. And, and the Lord's gonna look in there and he's say, there is absolutely no record, that that ever happened. Your sins are forgiven. You're not that person. You are washed and you are clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's God's grace. Now, what I want us to understand is that when God gives us grace, it's not just to change our vertical relationship with God, but it's also to change horizontally our relationship with others. And I want to talk about that today because God doesn't just want you to experience grace, but he wants you to experience in a way that you become gracious. There's something about grace when you really see what Jesus did for you. It melts your hard heart. It, it change you, changes you from a judger to a lover. <laughs> if you really get it. When I got saved, you know, I was totally estranged. My sister, she lived in California. She got saved out there. And I remember I went to see her. It was a crazy story. I was hitchhiking and I stepped in this glass. And when I saw her, I was bleeding. She grabs me. Puts me down, washes my feet, and she begins to tell me that she loved me. And and I be tell her, and I said, I can't believe we we did did not like each other. And I said, God, you not only gave me a new life, you gave me my family back because of grace. And I share that today because some of your families need grace today. There's people whose marriages in this place they, they need grace. They, they don't need you guys, they don't, they don't need you to keep score. Well, you haven't done this in three months. <laughs> they, they need you to have undeserved favor and say, here, here is undeserved favor. It's what God did for me. And it's what I bring to this family. It's a grace that 1 Corinthians 13 says, it keeps no record of wrong. It believes the best. It is patient and it is kind. And and what we want to see is that as a Christian, this is really the sign. Do you, do you know what the telltale sign is? Have you been changed by Jesus? Are you really saved? You know, the way you decide that is not that you can talk religiously. Look at this verse, First John 3, 14. 1 John 3, 14. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other and anyone who does not love remains in death how do you know you've experienced grace because now you start to change your love you you have a different heart and some of us need to to, to let the grace of God change our attitude towards people and want to see how Jesus, Showed us how to do that, and I'd like to read from John 13 today. This will be the scripture we look at. Right before Jesus died, one of his last things was this event. It was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And I, I love that that word, it says he loved them to the end. And that word means the uttermost. He loved them and never stopped loved them. He loves them. Perfectly, Can I tell you, God loves you with a never-ending love. He loves you, and then he loves you. He loves you. You can't do anything to make him love you more. And he can't do anything to make you love you less. He is in love with you. Somebody just elbow someone and say, Jesus really loves you today. Amen. Don't forget it. Now, that evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Escapism, Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So Jesus knows that he's about to be betrayed in the worst way by his friend. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. Can I tell you, Jesus was secure. He, he did not put his emotional health in people's hands. He didn't have a good day because people were nice to him and a bad day when they weren't, no. He said, I know who I am in the Father. I know who my security is. I'm, I'm secure, And because of that, he knew he would return to God. So he got up from the meal and took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you gonna wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter. How many know it's not that good to say no, Jesus, but anyhow. You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you. Okay, here's a key. If you're ever gonna love, it's not because you'll be perfect, it's because you let Jesus wash you. Then then he said, okay, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have the bath need only to wash their feet. You don't have to get saved again. You just need to get renewed and washed. And your whole body is clean. And you are clean, though, not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. Do you know, understand what I've done for you? Asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Verily, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And then he wraps it up in verses 23, 24 with these these final words. He says, a new commandment I give you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples because you have an awesome bumper sticker. No, because you love one another. Amen to God's word. Now, Jesus tells us, Four things through washing feet. Number one, he defines what greatness is in the kingdom of God. Greatness is not a title. It's not being known by a lot of people. Greatness is being willing to do even the most lowly thing or a humiliating thing to show someone else the value that God has for them. Washing feet was the job of the lowliest servant. It was a messy job. Can I tell you? Loving people can be messy sometimes. <laughs> I mean, these guys walk streets that did not have sewage right, okay? I mean, they stunk. How many know it took a long time for Jesus to wash 12 sets of feet? And, and it, it just blew their minds. You can't be doing this, Lord. You're the top of the pecking order. <laughs> and Jesus says, no, I, I gotta show you what great is. Great is valuing people so much, you will do anything to let them know. You know, Richard Wurmbrandt was a prisoner of war, part of the persecuted church in Soviet-era times, and tells a story about this one a Christian who was arrested for their faith, and, and I think it was Romania or somewhere, but he was put into this most pitiful, terrible prison and it was dark and there was dozens of people of men in there all together and this christian pastor they hated him because he was a believer and he was saying god how do i how do you use me here but here i am lord and there was this elderly man who was dying and 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 it, it was very sad because there was only this one stinky bathroom and and he could never make it and so he would just soil his bed and the guards would yell at him because they'd have to change the sheets, and the, and the other prisoners would say, "You stink!" And they would, and all of a sudden, God said, "This is your assignment." And he and he got a bed pad, and he he took care of this man, and the man's heart was touched. He came, to the Lord. But before you know it, the whole area they saw something, and they began to listen to this pastor. Can I ask you this? If God said, here's here's the deal. Do you want to change the world? Grab a bedpan. (laughs) Could you do it? Jesus said, the greatest people are so other focused. They're willing to take the lowliest place. Jesus gave a new definition of love. It's not love because people deserve it. It's love that's undeserved favor. Golden rule, you know, love not as people deserve, but love as you wish that you were treated. Be proactive. I like what one writer said. He said, people are unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Love them anyway. If you do good, guess what? You'll get accused of selfish, ulterior motives, but just do good anyway. The good you do today will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. The biggest people with great ideas will be shot down by small people with small minds. Think big anyway. (laughs) What you spend years building, people will try to destroy. Just keep building. People need help, but they may attack you. Help them. Give the best you've got and the world will kick you in the teeth, but give the best you've got anyway, because that's what Jesus did. Can you just say it with me? Love them anyway. (laughs) Just love them anyway. Do not become a victim of people. How many know Jesus is so strong that you can be around negative people and you don't have to let the negativity of people become negativity in you? You can, you can be free in your spirit. You can love anyway. How do you do that? Number three, you humble yourself and learn to be cleansed and touched by Jesus. You let Jesus wash your feet. Can I tell you about people who love it? They don't love because they're just such loving people. The number one way you learn to love is not by your ability to love, but by your willingness to admit when you don't love. And ask God to forgive. Can I tell you how someone becomes a great, great person of love? They know how to apologize. They know how to humble them. I had one of our elders after meeting come up to me the other day and just said, I just need to apologize to you for something I said. And I didn't even remember they said it. I said, well, that's, of course. And the Lord said, you you see this person? Do you know why they love so great? Even when they do something little wrong, they wanna be forgiven. They, they have a heart that says, God, I know there's only one way to love it, and that is if every day I let you pull the beam out of my eye. How many know that something every day probably gets in the way of you loving? At least, at least it does for me. I see a couple of really holy people out there. That, you're intimidating me right now. But, but most of us say, yeah, almost every day I get offended. Can we be real here? What makes you a loving person? You say, Jesus, if you don't wash my heart, if I don't walk in the light, if I don't humble myself continually, I'll become bitter. And Jesus said, here's my gift to you. Christians, I'll wash your heart every day. I'll cleanse it. If you'll make things right, you'll become a person of love. And I wanted to ask my wife Sharon to come and give a testimony about this. Amen. Would you welcome Sharon just to share with us something?
1: This is a story about a family member that really hurt our family. And you know, if somebody from Walmart hurts you, it doesn't hurt too bad. But if it's a family member that hurts you, it tends to hurt pretty bad. And, um, and I'm just like you guys, you know. Somebody hurts you, um, you get sad, you get mad, you get angry, you rehearse it over a lot of times. And um, after doing that for about a week, I did not like what that hurt was doing to me. Though I was not the one that that threw the darts and inflicted the hurt, I was letting it turn me into a bitter person. Just slowly. Rehearse it. Nurse it relive it. Just, it doesn't take very long, just about a week, and you'll start to get bitter. And I realized, you know, I don't like what I'm becoming. And um, I was driving in the car, and I had the radio on, and this song came on. It's an old hymn, and it says, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilt and shame. And I heard Jesus right there in the car. It became a holy moment. And I heard Jesus say, Sharon, come in. I'm like, what, the fountain? Yeah, come in. Come jump in. Well, I don't like water much if I can't see the bottom. (laughs) And I couldn't see the bottom of this fountain because, well, it was blood, right? And and I asked him, I said, Lord, is it deep? He's like, no, just come in, just come jump in. And I'm like, okay, well, I trust you. So I remember jumping into this fountain, and I'm just seeing this. It's just a picture in my heart, right? And um, the funny thing is, is there wasn't a bottom. I'm like, oh, I do not like deep things. And I was going deeper and deeper and deeper, but I could breathe in the deepness of this fountain. I could breathe and I could talk. And that hit me as, as very interesting. And I was I was down really deep. And um, when I was down there, I'm not deep enough where I can't just spring back up. I'm really deep. Who do I come eyeball to eyeball with? My offender, the one who hurt my family. And I remember gasping. And I was like, ah! <gasps> what are you doing down here? This fountain, it's for me. And then he looked at me like, what are you doing down here? This fountain, it's for me. And I just had this revelation at that moment that, you know, this fountain, it is for us. And funny, silly, stupid us that would say, I can take this fountain, but you can't. And... Um, we were down there and i just really felt the overwhelming love of jesus for this person and for me and we just kind of swam down there a little while in this fountain both of us and and there was great forgiveness it's not like there was a lot of words exchanged but it was just the knowledge of knowing that we shared the same fountain and we shared the same space and not one of us was better than the other. We were both in need of forgiveness. We were both in need of healing. And how do I continue to walk in love to this day from people who hurt, who offend? It's the fountain. It's the only way. It's not, it's not our humanity. It's not mustering it up. I have the opportunity every day to grow in bitterness. And the only way you don't is that you, you, you come when Jesus bids you, jump in, jump into the fountain. Come on. It's okay. And I guarantee you there's not a bottom. <laughs> you, just keep, you just keep swimming. But it's the depth of his blood, the depth of his forgiveness. It, it has no bottom.
0: So Jesus had his Judas right there. Can I ask, is there a Judas in your life? God will give you the grace. You see, loving people aren't stronger to love. They're more broken. I prayed with a lady I'll never forget. She was ill. She had a physical illness, MS. And she was completely mentally broken. We asked the Holy Spirit to come and the Lord revealed it was a sixth-grade teacher who had abused her. And she just said, I could never forgive. I hate. And just it was just, it was literally a violent thing, her reaction when that memory came to her mind. And I said, I know that you can't, but but could you just ask Jesus what he sees? And she said that the most amazing thing. She saw Jesus on the cross, and he just said, Her name was Linda Linda. Just give him what I did. She says, but I can't, I don't know how. And it was like Jesus said, yes, you can't forgive in your own strength, but I'm here. See, God will give you the forgiveness to give to the person you need to forgive. She was suddenly so moved. I'll never forget the tears. And what was amazing, a week later, she came back and she was completely symptom-free, healed of her disease as well. There is such power in forgiveness, but it's not from you, it's from him. If you just say, wash my feet, Jesus, he'll do it. The fourth great point in this story is that it is simple acts of service and love that allow you to fulfill your highest call. The the greatest thing that you and I ever do are very simple things. We show God's love to people in practical ways. We give kindness. We, You know, there's lots of ways to wash feet. Jesus wasn't just saying literally, go wash feet. No, he was saying, go and live your life for the sake of others. A brother in our church, Don Lepinga, he fixes bicycles to give to Afghan refugees. That's how he's washing feet right now so that they have a way to get around in the city. So proud of many of you yesterday and love Las Cruces to life, visiting people, nursing homes or or, or shut-ins and cutting grass and, you know, you, you say, well, that's just, oh, man. No, 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 that is washing feet, Jesus says. That is greatness in the kingdom of God. It is that willingness to just humble yourself. I, I know of one brother who was just telling me this, this fellow, he knows he's like a CEO. He buys coffee for his secretary every day or every week. How many of you know that looks like Jesus? It is, it is simple ways that you show up like the good Samaritan and you say this mentality, can I help you? Can I help you? You see people, and it's like, how how do I encourage them? Everyone needs encouragement. Is there something I could do? We have a phrase here at Heart for the World. It's our model. Love people to life in Jesus' name. How do people come to know God? The Bible says it's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. It's when their heart is, is exposed to this thing called unreasonable favor, that Hard hearts begin to soften. When you pray relentlessly for someone, even though it don't seem like their interest, when you you just begin to say, in Jesus' name, I'll show you God's kindness, he comes in beautiful ways. I have another testimony, if we could just show it real quick. It's just one of our ladies here, and it's so beautiful to see what the Lord did in uh, her life.
2: I've been coming to Heart for the World um, since about August or September of uh, 2020. I was going through a, a hard time in a relationship, and I guess it would say uh, it was pretty much a dark time in my life, and I had lost the little bit of hope I had. Uh, one Saturday, I had actually gotten to my car and just went for a drive and uh, decided to take my car for a car wash I was driving down valley and I saw some kids with the car wash sign and as I drove up there were some ladies there that got my information and very friendly and um they did not want my money they said the car wash was for free and they just wanted to pray with me and as they started to pray I just broke down crying um and then there was the next station that I went to and uh They had some youth there giving out little prayer cards and uh, rocks. Shortly after this car wash, maybe it was a couple weeks after, um, I was faced with a little bit more heavy reality in the relationship that I was in. Um, In that moment, I needed some help, some direction. Um, I did call a church that I used to be a member of, and uh, when I called, they asked, that was the first thing they asked if I was still a member. And I said, no, I hadn't been there in many years. And they apologized and said that they couldn't help me. So I called a couple other churches. They either didn't answer or kind of gave me the same reason of not being able to assist me in in prayer because I was not a member of the church. At that time, uh, I remembered The Rock. And I did not remember the name of the church, but I just remembered I Googled Church on Valley. And uh, the number came up. Um, and I called and a lady answered now knowing that it was Rita and I was a mess, um, crying on the phone and just saying, I really needed prayer at the moment. Um, she says, okay, friend, don't hang up. Hold on. Don't hang up friend. And so, um, she put pastor Thomas on the phone and, uh, He started to talk, and he started to pray with me right away. Just something happened at that moment. Um, I could just feel again a sense of peace come over me. Um, He invited me to come to church, told me to look for him. He prayed for us, and he also introduced me to Rochelle, my angel. Um, My life quickly began to change. God was preparing me, my heart, my body, my soul, for his goodness that was coming. Okay, So I'm totally not a morning person, but I have now um, for the last year and a half been waking up and having morning prayer with Sue, with Pastor Thomas, um, Pastor Dale, and uh, it's great. It's just a great way to start your day and just be energized for what's to come you know, in that day. In this journey, my family has seen the transformation with me and have actually gone through it with me. They saw the impossible become possible in my life. And it's given me just so much joy to see um, positive changes around me as well. What I was going through then, my feelings um, was brokenness, hard times, um, things that we settle for and we think it's normal. Um, To where I am now, I'm not broken anymore. I'm far from being perfect. But, oh, what a transformation this has been for me. What an experience my life has just changed in the last year and a half.
0: I was asking Andrea, because she started bringing her family. She has brought 19 family members to church. For what God did with her, it's just continued. See, that is revival. It is the heart of someone changed that, walks in compassion. We're starting a campaign. We call it You Matter to God. And, and here, here is this vision. The vision was to, over the next nine weeks, we call it Love Las Cruces and Love the Nations. And, and the challenge was that we had this vision. What if we we could get about 500, we have about 500 people. If all of us would just sow a seed of kindness to 10 people, we could sow 5,000 seeds and shake up our world. We 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 made we've got those bags. That'd be a great way to start to give out. We made these little cards. They're pretty cool. They just say "You matter to God," and they have a, a "How to Accept Jesus" prayer on the back. And then there's a QR code, which if they go there, both in Spanish and English, we give the gospel. And we what if we just we just showed God's love. To, to 5,000 people by Father's Day. I just feel like something would shake in our city, amen. And so join me in that vision. So how do you become grace givers? Isn't it interesting? Jesus said, this is the commandment. He doesn't say, this is one of many things. No, he says, this, in other words, he says, if you keep this commandment, you keep every commandment. Love as I have loved you. What does that mean? You see, if you if you love someone with undeserved love, it is automatic. Someone called it the power of, of an expulsive affection. If you love them, you don't want to murder them. <laughs> you don't want to cheat. You don't want to lie. All of a sudden, by having your heart filled with love, you obey everything that God ever wanted you to do. If you will walk filled with the spirit of love, you will see your whole life come in line with God's will. So how do you do that? Number one, see the value God puts on on everyone. There is this kind of thing, being a grace giver, is all about how you see people. If you look on people... And you see them from a carnal, a worldly point of view. You'll, you'll judge them. Well, this one I should be nice to. That one, forget it. But if you see someone from God's point of view, Jesus would look at the most sinful people. You know what he'd say? He said, I don't see sinners. I see an ER room of people who need to be healed. And I have the answer. It's the gospel. He would look at this woman caught in adultery, notorious sinner, but he would not see a woman who was adulteress. He would see a woman who has eternal value to God and he would speak to her. I don't condemn you. I see who you can be, woman. Starting today, go and begin to live your new life. He, he, there is nothing like the power of seeing someone through God's eyes and then calling them to life. Number two, as I've already mentioned, daily learn to let God remove a critical spirit. Seek to receive what I call horizontal grace. God forgive me and God let that forgiveness flow. Why? Because there is something Jesus tells us over and over. And that is a critical spirit, a negative spirit. He calls it the leaven of the Pharisees. He says, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees. What is that? You know, leaven was kind of like baking soda or something. You can't see it, but it would go into the, the bread and it would affect everything. And Jesus warns us that there is a leaven. It's a, it's a religious spirit. It's a hypocritical spirit. Sometimes it's a political spirit. But it is an unseen attitude. He calls it a, a little speck in your eye that becomes a giant telephone. <laughs> Where all of a sudden you see people negatively. Negatively. You begin to look like the Pharisee that we talked about in week one, someone who's confident of your own righteousness, but you look down on everyone else. Now can I just tell you, and I have a burden for the in our in our society today? How many know, through the pandemic, there is just the fire hydrant of a critical spirit that's come into our world. Everybody's against someone. You can listen to the news and it's all slanted, not just to disagree, but to in every way dishonor and shame the other side. It is literally a contagious spirit that's coming on people to divide, to make us negative, to to cause us to look with disdain on people. Am I preaching to the right crowd? Okay, it's something that you won't even see, but it can come into your mind and it can begin to operate. Jerk, idiot, loser. Disgusting. Thank God I'm not one of them. And it can, you know, I told you before, the greatest enemy revival is not sinners, it's religion. It's a religious spirit. It's the elder brother. I, I'm not coming to that party, those disgusting people. It is the easiest thing. We call it the bait of Satan. All he has to do is to get you to hold on to an offense. And he can hook you. And he can begin to spoil it comes through politics a lot these days, and it makes you sour. It's, the devil's pouring vinegar in people's soul, and that sourness. I heard the story of this guy, Uncle Harry, and he he was kind of an annoying uncle. So he was over, and the uh, nephews and nieces wanted to play a trick on him. So he was taking a nap on the couch, snoring away. Now, now Harry had this big mustache. And so some of the nephews got some Limburger cheese and they rubbed it in his mustache. So he's laying there, starts to wake up, starts shaking his head. He says, Man, it stinks in this room. He walks over to the kitchen and says, This kitchen stinks. He walks outside and says, Your backyard stinks. He says, the whole world stinks. Uh, no, Harry, you stink. How <laughs> I many you know the devil likes to put some Limburger cheese in your soul? Just a little criticalness. And before you know it, the family begins to have the wrong atmosphere. I just call this out today because today I believe God wants to Heal us of a critical spirit. God wants to give you a gracious heart. God wants to give you kindness in your soul. That's what grace is. And, and how does that happen? Well, I believe the next thing is that you, you let God make big his love in your heart. You, you, you allow, you know, the peripheral stuff to be replaced with a focus on how good God is. I said before that the ethic of Christianity is love, but the power is gratitude. The reason grace changes life is when it changes someone to suddenly realize, God, you are so good to me. God, I cannot believe you forgave me. I cannot believe your kindness towards me. And it totally begins to do a work in you. I mean, it's the kind of thing when you say to your spouse, here's five reasons why I'm so thankful for you, love. And you just start to say it and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I love this girl. <laughs> because you are magnifying what is pure, what is lovely, what is virtuous, what is good report. And God says, I need you to stir up your heart for me. I need you to be overwhelmed with my goodness. I need you to begin every day by saying, wait a second, I'm not going out of here with sourness. I'm going out of here with a fresh appreciation of God's love for me. I'm worshiping. You're worthy of it all, Jesus. I'm I'm delighting myself in the Lord. What happens? You can't help but love people. It it completely changes your spiritual tone. You become what Paul said, and I love what Paul said. He says, I am a debtor to all people. He says, all of a sudden, he, he says, I feel like I owe everyone an encounter with God. The Jew, the Greek. He says, I am so amazed that he forgave me. And he doesn't go and say, well, I don't want to tell someone God loves them. They might not like it. They say, no, I owe, I don't care if I get embarrassed. I mean, I owe that person because of what God did for me. I owe mercy to the whole world. And when that happens to us, it's the change in us that creates a change in the world. I put here never underestimate the power of small things done with great love. All that God has called us to do is to sow the seed of kindness and he'll create the environment of revival. You see it's not how big the seed is, it's how much life is in the seed and Jesus said the gospel that you have has power. You may may think well You know, I don't share it very good. All I can say is, hey, God loves you. No, but you don't understand. When you sow seed, the Holy Spirit, he comes on that person and he begins to work in their life. He'll send them dreams. He'll send things to them and and they can't escape. They can get away from you, but the Holy Spirit can chase them down. (laughs) When you bless in prayer, when when you move in the spirit of love, God begins to touch people around you. And and I'm just encouraging us today that there is something every day small that you can do. John Wesley said, do all the good you can everywhere you can with every person you can, as much as you can, as long as you can. <laughs> just every person, if you could just take, if you could just take this little mindset, how can I help them? How can I help them? Can I say a prayer for them? It's the smallest thing. And I love this story Dale Moody told. He he was a great evangelist about 100 years ago, and he was telling a story about a man on this ship, and this man heard someone go overboard. And it was in the middle of the night, and he got up from his bed, and, and he went out, but it was pitch black. He couldn't see anything and and he said what am i going to do and and then he remembered and he reached in his pocket and he said the only thing i had was one match and so i lit the match he said and i and i began to hold the match out over the water and as i did all of a sudden i saw this hand reach up and at that moment i reached down and grabbed the hand and pulled the man to safety The man, when he was rescued, told this fellow, he says, you don't understand, I was going down for the third time and then I saw this little light and I reached up and you saved me. And I can't help but think what the Lord said, he says, let your light so shine. Well, it's such a little light. (laughs) But he said, if you will let your light shine before man, but it's just one match, it's, yeah, I know, but but someday that light will lead someone to reach out their hand to God. And someday, because you were there, they will find Christ. And someday they will welcome you into heaven. Daniel 12.3 says that you will shine like the stars forever because your little match will become a life that lives forever, saved and redeemed, all because you lit your little match and let God change a life. Today, my prayer was that you would just let God light a little match in you. Say, God, I don't have much. Would you light a fire in me? That I could bring to someone else. Would you stand with me as closing prayer? We'll be up here as well and prayer teams will be here. But I want us to pray right now. Father, I thank you for your presence right now. I thank you for your love. God, I admit to you, my family needs grace. People I work with need grace. I pray it'll start in my soul. I pray, Lord God, that I would be melted with the awareness of how much you loved me, that you died for me. You gave your everything on the cross. I didn't deserve it, but you showed me love. Maybe you're here today, and maybe you're just not completely sure. You don't know for sure that you have God. If you were to die today, you'd go to heaven. You're not sure that your, your, your heart has been changed by God's love. Can I invite you today to experience God's love? He loves you. He said, He said, come to me, all of you who are weak or burdened. It doesn't matter. I want you just as you are. Call on me and you'll be saved. Ask me and I will come in. If you just feel right now, just that little tug on your heart, would you pray with me? Someone here, I believe God's coming into somebody's life. Is there anyone here just with every head bowed, eye closed saying, Pastor, I I want a change in my life and I'm asking God to to come into my life today. Would you just raise your hand and say, I want that. Thank you. Man, that's so awesome. Thank you, sister. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Just, just cry out with me again. Just say it with me Dear God, I need you. Please forgive my sins. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose again to forgive me. And I need that right now. I accept your love. Wash away. The guilt, all of the past, the brokenness. Heal my heart, Jesus. I give it to you. Lord, thank you for these credible people that are just coming. And you promised that you would send your Holy Spirit and in their heart, they would feel it and they would know that they're now children of God. Receive the Holy Spirit. By the word of the Lord, I just declare to you, your sins are forgiven. Your name is written in heaven. You are a child of God. Just receive it and say, I am a child of God. My heart is changed. Jesus is with me. And welcome to the family of God. Could we just give the Lord a hand? Hallelujah. And we'll be up here. We'd love to pray with you some more afterwards. But also finally, just someone like me just says, Lord, I need you to heal my critical spirit. I need you to take away that that leaven that's caused my family to be negative and hateful. God, forgive us. And I choose that forgiveness for everyone that has wronged me. And by the power of God, I lay it to the cross today to be healed, to be delivered through Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Someone today, the Lord is just going to bathe you with His grace and forgiveness. And as I say, we're going to be up here afterwards. would love to stay and pray with you. The Lord bless you as you go this week. His face shine upon you. He open your eyes to the opportunities to shine his light and to change your world. Through the power of his name and the freedom of his blood, go in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. We'd love to pray with you like I said. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that God's Word has inspired you today in a way that will boost your faith greatly. We want to encourage you to visit our website at hftw.church and follow us on our social media. May God bless you richly.